And Father, we just thank you so much for that reminder that you are the God who blesses us. You're the God who, who turns full face toward us. And we thank you for that promise and that truth. And Lord God, we just pray this morning as we spend some time in your word that you would bless it to our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would approach your word with a willing and submissive heart. Uh, I thank you for this day to bring uh, a special honor to, war to women uh, to mothers, Lord, we thank you for our mothers and uh, what they have meant to us in our lives. And we just pray, oh God, that uh, you might bring a word of encouragement. Maybe there's some today, Lord, who are uh, discouraged, um, struggling with uh, all of the pressures of what it means to be a mother and, and raising children or a wife or uh, just, just being a woman, Lord, uh, the, the pressures the immense pressures that society brings upon that office, Lord. And I pray that, that today would be a day that would just inspire their hearts and uh, that, that you would have a special blessing, Lord, to turn full face to, to the women in the audience in particular today, Lord. Uh, and of course, as we uh, men pay attention to the Word of God and what the Word of God has to say about um, uh, the women in our lives. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, thank you, Tracy and son, Matthew. Uh, Tracy is mother of five great kids on this Mother's Day. What a powerful message that is, the blessing out of uh, Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. It's how Moses instructed the priests to place the name of the Lord on Israel. And uh, that's what that blessing does. It places the name of our great God on us. Thank you so much for that. And of course, this is Mother's Day, so let me take the opportunity to give a big shout out to all the moms out there, the mothers and uh, women. This is a, a great day, and we want you to, uh, to uh, know that we, we love you and we're so grateful for all that you've done for us. And I certainly would want to thank my own mom, and um, I know she's, she's listening in today, watching today. And mom, I want you to know I love you. Thank you for all that you've done, the sacrifices you've made. Uh, she's recovering from surgery and, and doing quite well. And thank you for all your prayers, uh, Calvary family, for her. And uh, so mom, and uh, of course the other mothers in my life, uh, Lynn and uh, Sarah and Jordan Claire and, um, and uh, Bronwyn as well, the ladies in my life, we thank, so thankful for all of them. And then to all you cooped up moms this morning, um, who maybe are feeling a little uh, less enthusiastic about motherhood right now, I don't know, maybe, um, and maybe feeling a little bit desperate to uh, actually um, to have a break. And uh, so I hope today's sermon, really, I, the, 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 what God has laid on my heart today for you, I hope is a huge encouragement, and I hope that it will really inspire you and, uh, and bring uh, new joy to your life with respect to the high call uh, of being female. Uh, I want to broaden the, the idea, of course, it builds from motherhood today, but I want to broaden the idea for all the women out there. And um, I want to encourage you because I know that, that motherhood, uh, being a woman, being a female is under attack, constantly under attack in, in our day. Uh, there is, if you're wondering why, there is in fact a sinister plot that seeks in every way to ruin the design that God has put forth for women, to, to make it actually become extinct. And uh, quite honestly, it's particularly egregious when Christian women uh, join in on the uh, 
deconstruction of God's design for women. And so I, I want to, uh, first of all, start out today by talking a little bit about the bad news of womanhood, uh, motherhood, womanhood, uh, and then I want to talk for the rest of this, the uh, time uh, about good news. If I don't talk about the bad news, uh, the rest of it really won't make as much sense to you as we go forward. So let me just give you some background to, to God's design for, for women in, in the scriptures, because listen, I myself have nothing to say. Uh, uh, with any authority whatsoever, but God's word has something to say to you today. And so grab your Bibles because you're gonna need them. And I wanna make sure that you hear what God has something. God has something very, very important to say to you about, about your role and who you are and all of that. And um, some of the symptoms of the bad news out there is the, 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 the uh, low self-esteem, the insecurity of women, uh, self-love, pride, um, concerns about body and, and struggles with all of that. And it really is every woman's battle in, in some form. And it really begin, it began at the very beginning when we had the first two people, Adam and Eve, uh, whereby the enemy who is still plotting even today to ruin God's design for women uh, exploited uh, the woman in the, the Garden of Eden and, and uh, exploited in particular how she was created to be dependent on her creator, to be dependent on the Lord God. And um, her, her satisfaction in life was to be met in God alone. And that's where the enemy stepped in and um, really uh, exploited the area of, of, uh, uh, in the area of dissatisfaction with the woman. Uh, if you recall, God had, had offered to Adam and Eve all of the the garden and all of the trees in the garden that they could eat from except for one. They could, everything was available to them except for one thing. And the, and the enemy came along and he spoke to the woman and, and encouraged and, and discouraged her with that whole idea and uh, said to her, look, it's your eyes will be open. You'll become like God if you just will take this one thing. He, he knows that, that, that um, he knows that you will have something you don't have right now. And so he worked on her in the area of dissatisfaction. Now the, the man, uh, the whole issue for man was just plain disobedience. He knew what he was supposed to do, but he didn't do it. Men's battle and every man's battle is in the area of disobedience, but every woman's battle seems to be in the area of dissatisfaction. And so what I wanna share with you today and where I wanna take you uh, women today is into God's word and, and, and how you can find your satisfaction in the Lord alone in the areas of who you are, in the areas of what your purpose is and what is worth fighting for. Uh, truth empowers you, truth will empower you, the word of God will empower you. And, um, and so I wanna encourage you today. I did a little bit of research as I was um, working on this sermon outside of the scriptures. I looked at a little bit of secular literature to see what was going on and I, I uh, pursued some instruction from that, that deep and enduring theologian Oprah to find out what's going on around there and she I read an article about how women are finding their area of satisfaction in their passion so uh, passion driven women or there's purpose driven women or there's identity driven women but I want to I want to call out to you this morning ladies and I want to ask you if you wouldn't consider being a creation new creation driven woman I fully believe that that is the center of where you will find your satisfaction. It's the center of how, how women were made. 
Uh, they were made to uh, find their satisfaction in Christ. And I, I hope to, sh to show you how you can discover today and experience the glories of Christ in how you live out your life. And that's what we're looking for. I, I really believe fundamentally this will play out for your good and for God's glory. So I hope you're with me today. I hope you'll uh, join in on where we're going. Um, I think it's important for us to remember that uh, if you don't know who you are, you can't possibly know uh, how to live. And um, nor can you find your purpose. And that's really the crisis of identity in our time, in our day. And it's um, being uh, exploited particularly uh, in the areas of, of uh, confusion and distortion and all of that. And I wanna take you today to the true intended identity of women by God's grace. And uh, uh, we'll find it in God's word. There are plenty of voices telling you what to do, but there's only one voice that really, really matters. So who does God say you are? And by the way, this is what every man should highly, highly value. So today we're looking at the purposeful design of the woman, which is to bring glory to Christ through biblical motherhood. And uh, I want to look at three major ways women are uniquely designed to bring honor to, and glory to Christ and his church. This is really an identity uh, question, or really an identity search. And you're going to need your Bibles, as I said. And so uh, to, to just give you a jump ahead of where we're going with this this morning, ladies, it's three things, that, uh, three, things I, three ways I believe that God has made you in order to... Uh, in order to glorify God and receive the ultimate satisfaction in your life. And the three ways are this. God has made you as maker, God has made you as model, and God has made you as mentor. And those That's the three uh, subjects I want to uh, look at from God's word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. I want to go right back to the beginning and uh, look at the design and the destiny uh, of women, who does God say you are as a woman? And so I want to in particular look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 20 and we're going to look a little bit around that area but in particular there. And uh, I, I'm really convinced that the first unique design of women is you are maker. You are designer, uh, 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 you are designed for life work, designed for life work. Look at verse 20. It says there that Adam... Um, I, I think Adam put together like a, a candlelit dinner and he gathered his wife and he named her, says he named his wife Eve, Shava. Uh, probably said to her, I'm, I'm going to call you Shava Mon Cheri. I think he probably mixed a little French in there just so, for the romance of the moment. Um, because she alone, it says in the text, because she would become the mother of all living, She, the Shava would become the she. The destiny of women, as we see in the scriptures here this morning, the destiny of a woman is life giver. An irrepressible desire to give life, to bear life, is embedded in the very design of a woman. And uh, I believe, therefore, and that's why I've sort of made an interchange here between womanhood and motherhood today, I, I believe that, that there is a design case to be made for womanhood and motherhood as, as the same thing, as interchangeable. 
To be a woman is to be a mother. To be a mother is to be a woman. Whether you have children, are single or childless, is to be a mother. A woman is a mother. And I'm going to explain a little bit more what I mean by that. And um, I, I want you to notice back, if you turn back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse uh, 23, you will see there that uh, there's the description of the origin of the woman uh, who was uh, made from the rib of the man, verse 22. And then it says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, Isha, because she is taken from Ish. So if we combine the two issues of origin and destiny in the whole concept of design here for woman, we have the Isha is a Shava, the M of Shehi, using Hebrew. In other words, the woman is an Eve or a life giver, the mother of all living. This is a, 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 a tremendous insight into the makeup, the, the emotions, the reality of, and the nature of what it is to be woman. And it's interesting to notice here that in the design uh, in other words, Eve is the mother of all living, woman and the mother, mother of living. In this design, the, the destiny of her being the mother of all living is, isn't defined until after the fall, until after they fall into sin. She's first called woman, Ish from Isha, or Isha from Ish, I should say, woman from man. That's her origin, but her destiny under the grand design of God is not depicted for us and not defined for us until after the fall. And that's very, very critical because what this demonstrates for us is that, is that Eve is the hope of reversing the fall. Now notice here, uh, just the verse before, uh, verse 19, by the sweat of your brow, this is referencing Adam, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam is now destined for death. The description here is he will return to the ground. He will return to dust. He will return to the earth, Adama, which in, in Hebrew is Adama. He will die. So the, the first man named Adam is, uh, focuses on the idea of death and returning to death. But in this grand reversal moment, God has Adam name his wife as the mother of all living. So Eve now brings hope to humanity. This is a tremendous, tremendous truth for us. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, in this promise, this first promise of the gospel, uh, the Lord God says to, um, to the, uh, 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 the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her seed, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In other words, her seed will crush your head. This is the, uh, the battle between Satan and, and Jesus Christ for the souls of mankind, which Eve plays an integral role as the uh, beginning of the, the mother of all living and the design of God to bring hope to humanity. Her seed will crush the enemy's head. Uh, without woman, there is no Messiah. There is no hope. Uh, we needed no earthly man for the Messiah, but we needed an earthly woman. So therefore, women are God's creative symbol of hope for dying humanity. What an awesome role. What an awesome symbol to be. 
You were designed, ladies, you were designed for life work. The very essence of who you are in origin and design and destiny is for life work, for giving life. You are, the, you are the, what God has chosen as the symbol of humanity for life, to represent the, the life side of God. For 6,500 years, women, human women, have been living out this identity through bearing children, which was the commandment of God. In verse 28 of chapter one, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. That's what women have been doing through, through fruitful and multiplying uh, uh, ministry. But what about the singles and the childless? I, I had already said to you that I, I take womanhood and motherhood and I bring it together, whether you're, you're married, single, or childless. You are still the life-giving symbol that God has established for the world. You are life-givers, you are makers. You are spiritual life givers. Single women, uh, women who are childless are spiritual life givers. They are spiritual mothers to people. They are the ones who, who are fully engaged in the work of the Lord, specializing in mothering people to new birth. Uh, being, assisting the mothers to, overwhelmed mothers with the raising of their children. Being intricately involved, intricately involved in the, the work of living, the work of life-giving, the work of new birth, the work of, of nurturing those who are newly born. So, uh, that's, uh, so you are maker, designed for life work, to bring glory to Christ through life work. Constant reminder of life as God's answer to death. But secondly, I, uh, I read in the scriptures that you are a model a model designed for bride work. I want you to uh, look at a couple of scripture texts. Uh, one I'm going to put up for you, but the other is while you're looking at it, we need to turn to the book of Ephesians. Join me in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to spend some time there for, in a few moments, but you might as well be there and ready to go. Ephesians chapter 5. But notice what it says in the scriptures. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs 31.30. Now, um, all women who belong to Christ are models. In fact, um, those who practice the, the uh, statement in the book of Proverbs, the, those who fear the Lord are actually supermodels. Uh, men, take, take a few moments and look at your beautiful bride, your beautiful, your, your wife who serves the Lord and realize that you are married to God's supermodel. Now, um, I, I looked up supermodels and uh, their pay uh, is significantly high. In fact, um, I was looking up the definition of supermodel. You have to have a worldwide reputation. You have to be a Ut couture, one who uh, is, uh, demonstrates great fashion and has modeled for expensive and fashionable clothing. Uh, one of the supermodels that I certainly know of is, is Giselle Blunchen. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name, but she's worth $400 million. And she's famous from my perspective because she is married to that quarterback, that little-known quarterback, Tom Brady. And uh, she's known for inventing what they call the horse walk, which is raising the knee and flicking out the feet on the, uh, the runway of modeling clothing. And she's a supermodel. But I, I want to talk today about God's supermodels. 
Women who love the Lord are literally God's supermodels designed for bride work, designed for wife work, and, uh, and it all hinges on their work with respect to God's word. And so notice in Proverbs, I wanna to talk to you first about the theology of supermodel and then I wanna to talk to you about the practical reality of supermodel. In other words, what does it take to be a supermodel and how is it practically played out in your life, ladies? So a, a supermodel is a woman who fears the Lord and she is to be praised. In the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, uh, uh, Moses has just returned with the 10 commandments. And he is to give the Ten Commandments to the uh, people of Israel and he reads them out to them. And while he's doing that, God puts on a power demonstration, a power show uh, of thunder and lightning and smoke on the mountain and all kinds of things. And it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. It says they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. In other words, they had become afraid of God. And here's what Moses said to them in verse 20. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Now, now the question at hand is, what does it mean to fear the Lord? And, and Moses says to the people who are now afraid of God, don't be afraid of God, rather fear God. You say, wait a second, isn't that the same thing? Being afraid of God, isn't being afraid of God the same as fear of God? No, it's not. They were afraid of God and wanted to stay away from God. Moses said, no, don't be afraid of God, but make certain that you do fear God. Let me illustrate it this way. I, I read a great illustration and, and I had this experience in my own life. We used to have a German shepherd uh, watchdog when I was a kid growing up. Her name was Boots and she was very protective. But she was a, a great dog and, and you know how uh, dog owners are when, when they have a dog and the dog comes up and say, oh, don't worry, the dog won't bite you, the dog won't bite you. Of course the dog's gonna bite you. There, there's, a, there's a reality where a dog is gonna bite you. And, and here's how it works. With, with our dog, we would say to people, look it, um, she won't bite you. But if you run, she'll run after you and she might bite you. In other words, if you act afraid of her and run away from her, she's gonna bite you. But if you obey what we're saying and stay near to her, stay close to her, she will not bite you. Now, that's a, a poor illustration, but it helps us. In other words, people who run away from a dog when they're told, don't run away from this dog because it will bite you, they run away allegedly because they're afraid, but in truth, they actually are demonstrating that they aren't really afraid enough of the dog. If they were afraid enough of the dog, they wouldn't actually run away from the dog. They would stay with it. And that's the same as this reality of fearing God, not being afraid of God, but fearing God and understanding the difference. If you are afraid of God, you are not as afraid of him as you should be. What Moses is saying here is stay close to God, draw near to God. The one who fears the, law, the Lord is actually afraid of running away from God, afraid of, afraid of sinning against God. Rather, draw near to God, hug God, 
Hang on to him for dear life. He is your shield, your rock, your refuge, your shelter. Don't sin against God. Stay near to him. We're, we're called to, to praise that kind of woman who fears the Lord, won't run away from him, won't sin against him. Praise this woman. It honors the Lord to do so. Literally, we are commanded. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Frankly, that's the biblical mandate for, for this, this particular day where we, where we focus on women and mothers and, and, and womanhood and motherhood and, and focus on praiseworthy women. It is a biblical mandate for us to do that, to praise them. As C.S. Lewis uh, writes in his book, the small book, The Psalms, praise is inner health made audible. It is good to praise someone. After all, it takes resolve to stand for Christ. When every instinct in your life says run or, or, or dump it or just cave, just give in, why not give in to sin? It takes great resolve and great strength and great fear of the Lord to, to stick with the Lord when, when everyone else is telling you just, just run away from him, just leave him. And that woman is a supermodel for God. That woman is praiseworthy. Now that's the theology behind it. And you were made for this, ladies. Now what's the practical, the powerful modeling of this? It says in the word of God in 1 Corinthians 10, 33, let make certain that we do all for the glory of God. Whether we eat, we drink, whatsoever we do, we should do all of it for the glory of God. We were made to bring glory to God in everything that we do. And one of the most practical ways that a woman is a model of fearing the Lord is in the area of bride work, in the area of wife work. In Ephesians chapter five, uh, we realize that the plan of God, the design of God was a binary design, two different sexes, two different genders, male and female. And the marriage model is the design of God. And to honor the marriage model that God has designed is to follow the will of God, is to fear, the, is to fear God, is to, is to serve him uh, with our whole hearts. And women are are exhorted in the scriptures, in the, in the wife model area. Wives, submit your husbands as to the Lord. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, verse 22 of chapter five. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. The, the, the word of God, the apostle Paul, ties together bride work and church the bride of Christ, the bride of a man, ties it together. In verse uh, 33, or verse 32, this teaching is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. This massive role of motherhood, womanhood, bride work, wife work, is to model and demonstrate to the world as a model the glories of Christ and his relationship with the church. The example of Christ and church covenantal love and what it really looks like to lavish loyalty on God. M women, you play that role of the church lavishing love on Christ, demonstrating to the world, displaying to the world. You are supermodels on the runway of life horse walking, flicking out your feet 
in what it means to bring honor to Christ by bringing honor to your husband. What it looks like for the church to lavish love, to admire Christ to, through, through your uh, yielding to your husband, helping him to lead by refusing to take over, by lavishing loyalty on him, by admiring your husband. It is your part in putting um, uh, the glory of Christ and his salvation on display for all the world to see. This is an amazing thing. So the theology of fearing the Lord is, is making certain not to sin against him. And that's a supermodel. And then a supermodel puts on the garments of Christ, puts on the garment of God's word and says, let me display for the world to see the glories and magnificence of Christ and his church and the relationship of covenant that Christ has with the church. You literally demonstrate to the world the, the, um, the incredible uh, magnitude and, and wonder of God's salvation as a supermodel for God. So um, where do singles and, and uh, where do singles come into this? Well, by the way, uh, those of you who are single, uh, understand this, that neither marriage uh, nor husbands are eternal. And uh, there is one marriage and one husband, and that is to Christ himself. And so in this world, you bring glory to the living Christ by your work of fearing the Lord and living for him and demonstrating to the world the, the glories of womanhood, what it means to be a, a woman designed by God and, 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 and in fully embracing your identity as a woman of God, literally uh, given to one who is Christ for all eternity. Uh, finally, there's um, the third is, is women, you are mentors. You are designed for truth work. In Proverbs 1, verse 8, it says there, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. This is the... Uh, uh, Tremendous role that has been given to you of truth instruction. You are a truth instructor. And so um, from a, a male perspective, I, I just want to share with you as we're going to launch into this, this final uh, in the design that God has for you. From a male perspective, the vast amount of messaging that is out there now in the world is uh, the, the attempt to lift up women by putting down men. The idea that women would do a better job at being a man than a man. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that there are no women without men. And there are no men without women. We are, each of us, indispensable. We are essential in God's human kingdom. And so I, I want to express here the, the tremendous role and responsibility that that you have as mentor, designed for truth work. You have the high office, the high office here of, of guardian of biblical womanhood. Oh that, oh, that women would so embrace their identity and design in, in, in God. Oh, oh, that women would, would so desire to pass on to the next generation 
what it means to be a, a woman of God, what it means to be a woman who fears the Lord and, and is worthy of praise, what, what it means to be a, a woman who's a life giver, what it means to be a woman who is, is entirely satisfied in, in her role as, 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 a, as a, mother of, of, um, a mother of God's people, what, what that looks like and what it would look like to, to fully embrace that with joy and satisfaction and energy and passion and to, to push back on our world and its, its demeaning of roles and demeaning of identity and demeaning of gender and, and, and to, to lift up the, the magnificent and high call of being a female. And, and oh, that we would have mature and experienced women in our circles, in the Christian circles, who would, who would be worthy of praise, who would be who would be worthy uh, as models and, and, and those who, who represent well what it means to be a, a supermodel for God that, that younger women would look up to. And I, I would encourage you to look in, in your Bibles in the book of Titus, uh, in the book of Titus where um, there is instructions given to women in this whole matter of being a mentor designed for truth work as a guardian of biblical womanhood. In Titus chapter 2, in verse 3, it says there, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent, which means holy, set apart for God, uh, useful for God's purposes, in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. This is the word of God to us this morning, ladies, in this section here. You are granted the high office of developing, teaching, mentoring, being an example, being a model for the next generation of women. You are gatekeepers to femininity and womanhood and motherhood and the glory of what that is in Christ Jesus. You are the best teachers of womanhood and the, you are appointed by God to be successful at it. God intends for you to succeed at doing this to be good at it, to be fruitful at it. But you're to, to load yourself up with sound doctrine because the likewise here looks back at verse uh, one. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. You are to teach the biblical truth about womanhood as it is portrayed for you in the scriptures. You uh, as models, as mentors are to be women of, of sound character not controlled by addictions, not overly critical or misrepresenting people, but holy and usable by God. These are the words that are used here. Not you to be self-controlled, not slanderers, not addicted to much wine, but to teach the younger women. You are to train younger women, in other words, and younger women are to welcome and pursue the modeling and mentoring of experienced, God-honoring, Christ-honoring women, women who fear God. The self-controlled are to teach self-control. 
And, and what, are, what are you to teach the younger women? To be self-controlled, to be pure, to, to be reverent and holy, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands. In other words, you are to teach them the very things we've talked about here. You're to teach them to be makers. You're to teach them to be models. You're to teach them to be mentors. You're to teach them to be examples of the glory of Christ and his relationship with the church. They become models themselves. You're to teach them the, the, the immense implications of this, the immense significance of this. You're to teach them that the glory of Christ is at stake in terms of our displaying him to the world. The credibility of the gospel is at stake so that no one, it says here, will malign the word of God. How, how immense is this role that God has entrusted to you women to be mentors of the next generation of females that you might pass on to the next generation the significance of being a woman of God delighting in your role, delighting in your estate, delighting in your design, that, that people on the outside wouldn't malign the word of God, but, would rather, but rather would be drawn to the things of God. That you might teach younger women to relish the office of female. To build up their husbands and their homes and not to tear them down. Dear woman of God, your husbands, your children, the world, the church is looking to you, is looking to you, dear women of God, to push back those who are maligning the office of female. Those who are seeking to destroy and to damage it. Those who are seeking to put it aside. Those who are seeking to undermine the high office of womanhood. Dear women of God, as, this, as the song that led into our, our sermon this morning, you are to be the ones who put the face of God on the next generation of women. You're the ones who are to bless God's design for womanhood and motherhood and what it means to be female in God, in Christ. What are the stakes? The stakes are immense. What is the office? The office is a high office, a high calling to be life giver to do bride work, to do truth work. Who are you? You are maker, you are model, you are supermodel, and you are mentor. The enemy is still pushing every day on you the ideas of dissatisfaction. Can I encourage you to push back and turn to the one who brings complete satisfaction to you, turn back to the glories of Christ for your good, for the gospel's sake, and for the glory of Christ. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And beloved, 
women of Calvary, God wants you to be that woman. And for those of you out there, so many of you are, we honor you today. You are eligible for praise. We are commanded to praise you, and so we do. We praise those women out there who are true life givers, both in physical life and in spiritual life. Those women out there who are true models, who model the excellence of drawing near to God, and who model the excellence of the covenantal love between Christ and his church at great sacrifice, who put on display as supermodels the glories of Christ. And those of you who work diligently at mentoring the next generation, the truth work of blessing and putting the face of Christ on the next generation of females who are called to the high call of being mother, woman of God. We bless you. We bless you today. Father, thank you so much. We praise you. We, we love you. We acknowledge you. Lord, you are the one who has designed us. You're the one who's designed this high office, this high office of female. And Lord, how all of us bless today those great women in our life who you have brought, who you have made, who you have created, who you have uh, recreated, new creation women, who are new creation driven women, who have given us life, who have given us models and examples of what it means to be women who bring glory to Christ, doing their wife work, their bride work, and what it means, Lord, to have women in our lives who've taught us the good things of God, who've demonstrated to us the high call of being female, who've demonstrated to us the manifold wisdom of God who created male and female to demonstrate the image of God together. Oh Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And we wanna to offer to you, Lord, today our great thanks for the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for us and died for us that we might have salvation in his name. And we bless people in the name of Jesus, our Savior. We pray, amen.